Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. The Camino de Santiago, or in English, the Way of St. James, is a series of trails across Europe leading to the Shrine of Christ's Apostle St. James in Santiago de Compostela in Galicia in northwest Spain. It's a pilgrimage and those who walk, walk as pilgrims. Many follow its roots as a chance for spiritual enlightenment. The most popular route is the French way, or the Camino Francaise. It's on the UNESCO World Heritage List. I walked half the Camino Francaise in 2016 and then returned the following year to walk from Lourdes in France to Santiago, a journey of 1,000 kilometres. I urge you this week to read an article on the Busted Halo website, bustedhalo.com. It's by Rebecca Gallo, now Rebecca Weston and was written in 2013. And Rebecca wrote, A friend describes the Camino as the most Buddhist of experiences on the most Catholic of trails. Indeed, there was a commonality that we all experienced. It was that at some point on our journeys, we were doing a walking meditation, even if we didn't know it. Ms. Weston goes on to write about the prayer of La Faba in the church in Osobrero. And I'll read the prayer in its entirety at the end of the podcast. But I just love that quote from Rebecca's friend. The Camino is the most Buddhist of experiences on the most Catholic of trails. A pilgrimage is a journey or search of moral or spiritual significance. If you're interested in learning more about yourself, a pilgrimage is a good way to do it. The Camino caters for all. You don't need to be religious. You don't need to be super fit. You don't need to be looking for something or seeking enlightenment. But chances are you'll grow. It's not a holiday. It's a challenge. It's not easy. It's a pilgrimage. My guest this week is an Australian pilgrim, Michael Kennedy. He's on the line from Melbourne. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much. Now, you know I always do my research. Your Facebook profile says, to learn to love to be. Why? I I think um, I... Look, you know, people normally have a religious identity or they don't. They have this counter-identity. They say, I'm, um, they might say, you know, I'm spiritual but I'm not religious. That's a thing you you hear quite often now. And I think that they're trying to, you know, it's it's about a personal identity and a meaningful thing for themselves. And I, in the last 10 years, I suppose, I've gone through a reflective phase. It was almost a breaking down of what pre-existed. Um, we're brought up with an idea of who we are and what we want, and then as an adult, you rebuild that yourself. You appraise it, and I thought, you know, what's the core? What's the meaning of life? And that sort of thing is just the simple things. I think we're here, you know, in a profoundly spiritual way, just to learn, you know, to love, to have a bit of fun on the way, and to be yourself, like to, to in your essence. So that's why I thought I'd just sum it up that simply. Yeah. To learn to love to be. Tell, Absolutely. Yeah. Tell, mm. tell us how the Camino came into your life. Oh, that's a pretty wild story. Look, I'd gone through this phase of just working in IT um, in universities in support, and it just been progressing. Um, and I'd gotten to the stage where I was in a pretty responsible position and I was putting in a lot of hours and it was, you know, I was wearing um, and obviously, you know, a lot of that was my own dynamics about wanting to please and do well. Um, and I started taking up bushwalking with my younger brother, who's 10 years younger than me, Thomas. Um, we were doing half day, one day, a couple of day walks. And then I did the walk from Sydney to Newcastle, the Great North Walk. Um, and I thought, hey, I can do a multi-day walk now. So let's try and look for long walks. So I actually Googled long walks and yeah it was that simple and the Camino was one that came up and I uh, found um, a blog of a person a silly doll I think from memory was an online name and she walked from Le Puy au Valais um, in southern France all the way to Santiago and I read that blog and it just Oh, it had such a profound effect. Even now, I could just feel the tingles in my spine and body, you know. 
just to see that that blog, the the beauty of it, the experience, and it was just literally called my heart. I had a physical reaction in my heart, and my heart felt called to the way. So I was just sitting in front of that screen, and even now I can, it's in my mind's eye, and and that experience was my heart was just opened, and basically a feeling of love and just yearning. And from then on, I knew it was going to happen, and it happened pretty quickly for me. I uh, went into work. Um, I was only entitled to one week's annual leave, um, but there was provision to ask to leave without pay. So I asked um, my director, well, first of all, I went to my boss and then my manager, and then I went to the director asking, you know, can you have um, two extra months, so three months in total off? Uh, I was I probably yeah, didn't want to do it by halves. I thought I'll do three months worth. And he came back and he said yes. So <laughs> yeah. Well, and then within within weeks I was in Paris. So Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it was just full on straight on. And I was so naive. Didn't know any French. I worked out I could buy some gear in Paris, so I just literally got on the plane with a backpack and a tent. Because I was like, I don't know where I'm going to stay. I can't speak the language. I don't know how to ask for accommodation. I'll just take a tent. So I flew into Paris, and I still remember that bag coming. You know, a 60-litre backpack coming off that carousel just with a tent in it. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what, what year was that? <laughs> that was 2010. Okay. So talking spring in 2010, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I, I saw a picture on, on your Facebook page, and it – was from 2010, and you said, I walked yeah. the Camino de Santiago and I smelt the roses. Three years yeah. later, I still smelt them. Stop and smell the roses, I say. Absolutely life, right. Yeah, life is good. But the Camino yeah. presents an opportunity to smell the roses. So yes. w- what is it about the Camino, do you think, that prompts an understanding that we ought to smell the roses? I think time out. Time out's the first thing that comes to mind there. I think it just... You get off the wheel, you know, the, the rat on the wheel thing, and you just, when you don't have these immediate obligations, you know, if you've got a family and you've got to look after your family, your mortgage, your children, your, your work responsibilities, and even if you don't have those things, you've still got other responsibilities. You've got the work things, you've got like social obligations, et cetera, et cetera. Once you're all off that and you just have time to be, you know, and it comes back to this thing about being. It's just you in nature and a spiritual lot to me. I'm spiritual. I have a relationship with God. And it's like, it's just you, nature and God, and just being in that moment. You know, you don't even have to think about, you don't really worry about tomorrow too much on the Camino. It's just like today I'm walking from A to B, or you don't even know where B is going to be, and you're just on your way. And I just, you know, the roses thing. Yeah, I was walking... I walked on in um, 2010 spring from Tours, you know, Tours, as the French say, down to Bordeaux. And I was on the um, Garonne. And there's, you walk down this road there, and a whole lot of people have roses just on their front fences, just, you know, flowing over. And literally, as you walk past, you smell the roses. And on that, I call that day in my mind a day of roses, because it was just roses after roses after roses. And it's just such a beautiful experience, you know, just to to be in that moment, to just draw it in. I mean, who doesn't like smelling roses? It's like honey for the brain and the nose, you know, just fantastic, yeah. So tell us about your Camino or Caminos then. You walked in 2010. What others have you done? Yeah. Yeah, well, after 2010 and I came back, I just had the bug. Um, I just wanted more of it. Um, just that experience was, you know, you come back to work, I came back to work. I was elated when I came back. You know, and 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 after walking, I think it was, I can't remember how many kilometres it is, but tours to Bordeaux and then the Francais, you know, from Saint-Jean, Peterport to um, Santiago, I just thought I could do anything. You know, you have this feeling like, you know, I could recline Everest now. It's not unreal. It's not unattainable. You know, you think once you've done something that much, you just it just reframes all your possibilities. So, 2011, I went back again, and I thought I've got unfinished business. I didn't finish the Voie de Tour, the 
away at the stores way. I'll go back to Bordeaux and I'll walk, walk down to the border. But I looked at it and I thought, you know, there's a way down through the forest of Leyland uh, called the Val Littoral. And I thought, I'll go down there, check it out, you know, it'd be a bit different. So I walked that way um, and that was, you know, again, these ways in France, uh, not the roads left less travelled. So I met a... Um, uh, a French couple there, um, a policeman and his wife, who was a teacher. They were lovely. Uh, so on and off, we were walking together. So that was a great experience. And, of course, you get the opportunity to go to the Atlantic beaches. So I did that, and then I um, I made it to Bayonne, and my brother at the same time um, was in Germany, and he came to see me, and I thought, I'm not going to pressure him. If he wants to come over to me, no, it's up to him. So then we, you know, we were in this hostel in Bayonne one night and the lady running it, she was actually a lady who rented out a room in our house for, for pilgrims, um, and she she said to him, well, are you going to do the Camino? And I thought, this is the moment, you know, and he sort of looked at me, looked at her, and he was like, I thought, I'm not saying anything, and he said, yeah, I suppose I am. So, you know, that was a great experience to be able to walk with uh, family. Yeah, so we walked and... Um, he was a quicker walker than I was, uh, and uh, near Adapurka, we met a Canadian couple, two two young ladies, and one of them was quicker, and one was my pace. So we ended up walking as a group, but as a group where two could walk ahead and two behind, and yeah, so that was a great experience. I think just um, yeah, and doing it again is a new feel. Yeah, it's a. Uh, um, some of the novelties worn off. I mean, there's this novelty on the Camino and you feel like you're 14 years old again. It's like you're experiencing the world. You're going out and you're wondering, what's around that corner? I'm walking through this forest. What's going to be over that hill? You know, and that's such a, that feeling of wonder comes alive again in you. Just a, a wonderful experience. Then 2013, I thought, that's still not out of me. I thought I still need another one. <laughs> 2013. <laughs> so this is a couple of years later, so I had a couple of years to think and relax, you know. And I was still on that, that work curve, you know, working a bit, maybe too hard. Uh, but then I was like, I'll, put, I'll try something different. And I had a friend from the first Camino, Ulf is his name, and he was like a brother to me on that first Camino. He was so nice. I mean, it was just... You know, you meet some people on the Camino and you don't even know these people. You're walking with them for a while. You talk to them. You spend, you can spend seven hours a day walking and talking with someone. And in your normal life, that takes weeks. I mean, if you go and see a friend, you might go out for a couple of hours. You might speak an hour, you know. You might only see them every few weeks or a couple of weeks. So you add, if you do the math, you know, on a Camino day, your conversations, it's like an intense experience. Like, they're really um, deep connections made, and some people are friends for life, you know. Yeah. So they really are. So, we, you know, he was walking again. So I met him at Osobrero, and we walked into Santiago again. He continued on to Muxia, and I went down to the border with, uh, with Portugal and Spain and started walking through it from there. So, in fact, I went to Fatima, then back up to, um, to the border and then walked from there. And that was really great. Um, met a Dutch lady there that I walked with, was getting closer to Santiago. And um, she actually said, you know, and I was sort of rushing to get there. She's like, Michael, why are you rushing? You've been there before. And it was very wise advice. And sadly that year, that was the year of the tragedy on the train crash. Um, so I planned to go in on the, the feast day, St. James. But everything was cancelled because of that that tragic train crash, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was a really, I don't know, that was a bit of a, oh, just a, I mean, it was a horrible moment in some ways. Yeah, then 2014, I went back in August. So it was right at the end of August. So I basically landed in um, um, Spain right at the end of August. And I, was, I went to Merida on the Via de la Plata. Um, and I was actually scared because it was so hot. It was in the low 40s, and I thought, what is going to go on here? You know, like, this is Australian weather. Um, so I just stayed in Merida for a day or two and looked at the, 
fantastic Roman um, ruins there. I mean, if anyone gets a chance to get a Merida, I'd highly recommend it. Um, but then it started to cool down a bit and I started walking again. And again, that was, um, you know, a small group of pilgrims. Um, we spent our time um, moving, you know, north. And there's a, a place where you can go on the Camino Santa Breve up to, um, you go west up to Santiago. You go north to Leon and I, um, or Astorga, sorry, and I went up north to Astorga, which again is a really less travelled way. I mean, people don't seem to take that path very much. But it, um, you know, it was a good time to think. Right on, you know, time alone again. So, yeah. How far, wonderful. Uh, do you do a lot of planning in advance? Are you a spreadsheet pilgrim or are you somebody who just takes a uh, chance and wings it? Well, I definitely wung it, uh, winged it on that first one, you know, like, <laughs> didn't know any language in France. Yeah. No, I, I think I wing it a bit. I mean, I take a guide now. I'm not, the first one, I didn't have a guide. Um, I just followed the arrows. I did have a guide for France. It was the, the written guide from the CSJ in London, the um, Camino group there. Uh, and that was the old. And the one of the tours you can do now, the, I think it's GR655 or I'm trying to remember the number. Yeah. Or you, or you can do the traditional way that goes over the roads. And I did the traditional way over the roads, and that was pretty hard going in places, you know, 15-kilometre stretches of just tarmac and, you know, pretty hard going. Uh, so, no, not really, because I know lot, most of these places are supported, you know, like it's not – This is we're not breaking new ground here. So just roughly, basically, you know, distances maybe, but that's it. And even then I'm open to it. Yeah, because when you walk, when you walk, you choose your own distance. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. I, I, I tend to think, you know, you never know where you're going to end up because you never know who you're going to run into, and what's going to unfold. But if someone's yep. listening and they're fearful of the communal facilities of having to get changed in a room with ninety other people, what do you say? Uh, the, ho- <laughs> the hostel, well, you said the hostel experience, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what do you say to them? Look, people are reasonable generally. They're very reasonable. I mean, I remember, um, you know, one one hostel I was in, and the, the bath there was only one bathroom, right? And um, you know, uh, a lady said she wanted to be alone, and everyone just respected that. So, um, just give it a go, and you know, it's just like a big family in some ways. I've I've not heard of an incident inside a hostel where people have been. Um, threatened or anything like that. It's quite a lot of respect. There is a European sensibility that Australians don't have. I mean, essentially, we have a, a Anglo-centric um, Anglican tradition in Australia with a Catholic minority, um, and now it's more secular as people leave the Protestant and um, Anglican churches in Australia. I mean, if you look at the stats on the um, census the numbers seem to be increasing of people who declare no belief and decreasing for Anglican and some Protestant groups. Catholics are pretty flat. Um, so, But it's a different cultural experience, and it's not only that too. It's like a Germanic versus a Latin experience. And um, So what I'm basically getting to is they're, they're more open and free. You know, like I've seen people in hostels and they're just like, you know, I would never do it, but, you know, guy just walking his undies to the bathroom, you mm. know, get, mm. get his gear off straight in front of the shower and in he goes, you know, and I'm like, oh, wait a second, what's going on here? I wasn't used to that. <laughs> <laughs> but then I realised they're not, they're not trying to be offensive. It's just matter of fact, get it done, you know. So what did I say? Be careful, take your time. If you have any issues, just explain it to people. Yeah, good advice. Great advice. Yeah, just, just be an adult. Yeah, that's very good advice, be an adult. You, yeah. you, you mentioned in, in the course of the answer there, uh, the people from all around the world, and, yeah. and you're very involved with the Camino community here in Australia. It's great to be a part of the global community of pilgrims too, isn't it? It is. Um, interesting comment you make, because it is essentially a European um, cultural phenomenon. Um, so also... The, the the countries outside of Europe that are mainly represented are um, 
um, are Europe old European colonies. Sure, yeah. Um, there are some Koreans are um, really into it. I spoke to some Koreans and they said that a TV personality um, wrote a book about it and that made it popular. Or a TV show, I can't remember. And that but that made it popular in South Korea. Um, but, I mean, you know, like Korea's sort of a westernised thing as well. Um, so there is a growing interest now that I've seen in Taiwan. It's small, but slightly growing. Um, and I, I see the next big road in the Camino from Asia. I don't think China's discovered it yet. Um, but, you know, it depends on how you look at the numbers in um, China, but I think the growth might eventually get there um, from China. And, of course, Africa, is, it, as the wealth in Africa grows, um, you, you may see more Africans on the Camino. I'm talking medium to long term here as well. So, yeah, truly it is um, international, but the numbers are mainly at the moment European. I'm, you know, the majority are European. Yeah. We'll get there, though. Yeah. We'll get there. It's, yeah. inter- it's interesting you, you mentioned there the Asian connection because I wanted to ask yeah. you about that quote at the top of the podcast that the Camino is the most Buddhist of experiences on the most Catholic of trails. Do you well, agree- isn't, that inter- isn't that interesting comment? Yeah. yeah. There was, there's a universality of experience. I mean, people are generally have the same yearnings inside themselves. Yeah, you know, like in a, in, a, in a traditional Catholic um, explanation, they talk about, you know, I can't remember the word, but there's, you know, some th- a theological term in that we have this yearning to get back to God, you know. And um, I've read some other stuff too, and, you know, the way you look at it, we are basically a prolongation or an extension of the divine. You know, Jesus said this, we are gods. You're gods. You know, what does that mean? To me, it means you're part of, you know, for a better term, you know, God, I would say there's the infinite loving ball of light, you know, that people talk about when they have an NDE experience. Um, so I think that the different traditions are coming at some essential truths in their viewpoint. And I think with a, what I know, limited um, amount of the um, Buddhist viewpoint, you know, there was a, you mentioned the walking meditation. Without a doubt, it's a walking meditation. Um, in 2010, you know, I, I have a, um, I was basically praying as I walked and the prayer in your mind or even spoken becomes in sequence with your steps and your heart rate because your heart rate matches your walking pace. And then what ends up happening is you get this synchronization of your being, you know, like there's a mental thing going on, a physical thing going on. And you become synchronized. And what, some of these walking meditations I know that I've read of, basically the point, I know Vipassana, it comes to a point, I'm not sure if that's Hindu or Buddhist, but it comes to a point of, of your consciousness becomes, that you become aware, you are your consciousness. Now that's a disembodied soul. And everyone's that eventually, you know. So what ends up happening is, is I agree, yeah, there are the, you know, some really great intersections there. I think that, yes, it's, you know, you can make it the Camino in some regards what you want because of your subjective experience. You come at it from a certain angle. So, yeah, I'd agree with that, definitely. Yeah, I think, it. of course, it's a Catholic context. There's the history, the culture, the architecture, churches on the way, you know, you're in a Catholic country, which was interesting for me to be in a Catholic country compared to growing up in a country where, you know, the established religion was Anglicanism, which is not now. But, I mean, if you go to every town, you know, the, the town hall has the Anglican cathedral near it, you know, and the Catholic cathedral's thrown up on the hill somewhere, you know, <laughs> out of the way. <laughs> it's part of our history, you know. But when you go to a country where it's like, you know, it's it's Catholic heavy, you know, so... It is part of that, you know. But you don't have to engage it if you don't want to. You can just yeah. go in the way and walk, you know. Yeah. It's like however much you want to do it. So, but I mean, look, maybe it's a good segue. I, I wrote a note here. It says, you know, I like, sort of meditated quickly beforehand about 
know, what do I say? You know, and uh, I just thought the Camino is like it's an emotional experience. It's like, and that's why I think it draws people back. Um, and that's why it drew me back. You know, it drew me back three times. And I think now I don't. I'm at this situation now, and, and I've only realised in the last couple of years. I don't need to go back now. I don't want to go back in some ways. I know that, and I don't mean that in like, oh, I'll never go back. Um, it's like what happened for me on the Camino is love came in. In a, in a sense, I was in France by myself. I had spiritual, profoundly transformative, meaningful spiritual experiences there. It was just divine, literally. And then when I hit Spain, you have these, you know, great social experiences. I mean, it was a shock coming to the border. You know, once I got down to Zvias, I was just like, oh, my God, I was in this hostel with 150 people, you know, in this 12th century church. And that was a shock to my system. You know, it took me two days before I could talk to anyone. Yeah. Basically. Because after spending weeks alone in France, basically, I mean, I spoke to the locals as well as I could, um, you know. But, um, yeah, that was a shock. But, you know, basically, I was loved, you know, and, and it healed me and it, and it opened me up. And uh, now I have love in my own life because I opened up and as a result, good things come of that, you know. You let love in, you let people, loving people in, and, and it was a... You know, a great thing, transformative. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's a transformative Camino. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It, and so often we hear the term "the Camino provides," and yes, I think so often. And you mentioned what does that mean? What does that mean, Dan? Yeah, well, it's you know, interesting. Yeah. You should ask me because you, <laughs> you, you said to me at the very start, I I heard about the Camino de Santiago, and I felt my heart open. It was an opening of my heart. And you and I felt yeah. I felt called exactly what you said, and, yeah. and I think when people say to me the Camino provides, I have this vision that y- you need something, and and I wrote a song. I hope you find what you're looking for. Yes, and, and I think that beautiful. Yeah, and I think yeah. that that is the provision, if you like, of the Camino, the opportunity for you to provide the answers for yourself. But yeah. the space and time will come with the slow meditation on the Camino yeah. de Santiago. I think so. And also, let's not, you know, there's a social component. Other yeah. people, you know, look, it's like the Temple on the Mount, you know, you know, feed the hungry, clothe those that are naked, visit the prisoner, visit the sick. You know, this is a social religion. It's a social message, you know, even if we don't think about it as a religion, it's a message. You know, Jesus didn't create a religion anyway. He just cre- he came to to give us, you know, some good news. I mean, it's a cliche words, but it's true. It's like, and it's a social thing. So when when the, when they say the Camino provides, I think you know what, the Camino is the way, but it's also those people on the way, yeah. and you because you're part of the Camino when you do it. Yeah. You know, so you help people. You know, a humbling experience for me was in Puente Lorena. You know, I was a smart ass in 2010 in some ways. You know, I still had some maturing to do. We all do. I mean, I did. I still do more now. But I was waiting in the queue to get into the albergue there. And there was an Irish lady and she's like, you know, she got a bag sent ahead and it was all this thing about the real pilgrim, you know. And I went, and I was like, what an idiot. I was I said, oh, you're not a real pilgrim. You know, look at yourself, Michael. You need a smack around the head. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> This is the this is the lesson, you know. Like yeah. we got into the albergue, and, and she actually said to me, "Well, I broke my toe." You know, how do I feel? Like the idiot I was, you know. Yeah. I really needed that. And then then we got to know each other a bit, and it was like a little bit awkward, you know. And then I ran out of money, didn't I? I didn't have the cash, and these we were in this place. They only take cash. I paid for my room, but I didn't have money for food. And she's like, "Don't worry, Michael. I'll buy you dinner." You know, feeding the hungry. Here she yeah, is. Yeah. And I'd been that negative guy, you know. I think I was tired, you know, if I try and look back with some mercy on myself. I'd walked, you know, quite away by then. And she um, doesn't excuse my behaviour. But here it was. I got that lesson, you know. And we never saw each other again after that dinner. 
So I never had the chance to give it back. And that was a big lesson for me because I would always been like, you know, when someone did something nice to me, it was like, oh, I owe you. You know, I have to pay you back. So the Camino sort of humbled me, and it does. It breaks down your ego, the Camino. And it was like, which is a good thing, you know. It's like, here I was, critical, loved, you know, so forgiven, loved, and generosity was there too, you know. And I didn't have the opportunity to give it back. So it was not like, okay, it's all even now. I was like, no, you need to accept who you are in your being just to be and just accept the love. And the Camino was um, good for me that way. It was like the reciprocity, you know, there's a reciprocity of love, you know. Yeah. The giving and the receiving, you know, and, and that that was, that's a great example of it there, you know. Yeah, and it, and and it's just, there's plenty of opportunities for that if you're open. So I had no choice there, did I? <laughs> but, and that was a good thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, yeah. but that learning experience you'll carry with you all of your life. Absolutely. Yeah, so that, I suppose, you know, the Camino provides, but yeah. mostly the Camino is the people too, you know, like yeah, yeah. that's how we help each other. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's... yeah. And interestingly, there's some habits I've learned from the Camino that I still do now. You know, just some little things, you know, like you're in a cafe, you take your coffee cup back. You know, that's one thing I learned, like sort of like, you know, you don't have to on the Camino, but it's a thing that I, I did on a couple of cafes and I just sort of got in the habit of it. And, and you're still doing it now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like, you know, and the staff, it's amazing how people respond to even the smallest things. That's right. You know, like they're just like, it's because they just feel like they're not then that's having to drag the chain by themselves. That's so true. I take my yeah. glass or my cup always I take it back. Yeah. I always take cu- it back. And the staff appreciate you. That's yeah, so funny. Yeah, because they can see it. That's so yeah, funny. They, they, yeah, it is. It's sort of like you just see these things. I mean, I do remember, you know, like one cafe on the Camino guy going, no, that's my job. <laughs> he probably needed a Camino. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, so if I could pick you up and place you somewhere, either in France or in Spain, for a, for yeah. a, for a, for a cold beer or a coffee this afternoon, where would it be? Where would you love to go okay. back to just to visit for one day? Well, the immediate thing that came back to me then was um, um, Leon in Villa de Plata. I think I was in a good space. I think those two Caminos, the first one in France, I mean France in spring, the Vienne, um, the Loire in spring is just just a visual luscious delight. It's so green and beautiful, but the, I think, you know, by by the Via de la Plata, I'd matured as a pilgrim and I was just open, free, and I was on the way and confident. You know, you learn how to handle it all, uh, what to carry, what not to carry. You know, I started off 60-litre bag in 2010. And, I mean, so the season matters, so when I talk about the size of the bag, remember, summer's easier, you, know, you don't have to carry as much. Yeah. But by summer on, on the Via de la Plata, you know, I went with a 22-litre backpack, but in the end was I'm carrying a 13-litre bag. So I was travelling light and easy and I was just, you know, free. I was on the way. It was good. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned there you matured as a pilgrim. What's the best, yeah. what's the best part of being a pilgrim to you? Oh, the love. And, the, and also physical, you get fitter. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you do. You get stronger, you get fitter. Um. Oh, this way we live in the cities, it's almost designed to make you unfit, you know? It's like the sedent, sort of, is this what civilizations come to? You know, hours in front of a computer screen? Is this really yeah. what, this isn't what the great thinkers of the past hope for in the future? So that's why it's a remedy that can lead to that in some ways. You know, you get out from behind those computer screens. Yeah. Um, and you get moving, you know, and you, the eye, the line of sight, you can see, you know, you're up on a hill and you're looking into the distance, you can see 15, 20 kilometres. Tell me how often you do that in your normal day-to-day life. We don't. We don't. No, you're right. Yeah. And, and you, you said you're, you're aware of the, the energy, the 
And, and, and I found walking in the footsteps of pilgrims who have walked the Camino since the 8th century, part of it, yeah. I felt kind of humbled by that. Yeah. Yes, I think you're right. Um, again, I think it, you know, consciousness is open to time and place. You're just aware of, you know, you have a much grander view of history. Europe has this. We don't as much. Yeah. You know, unless you look at, um, you know, um, the original Australians, and you look at it, you know, their history is just so long and, and, and they're blessed in a way because they have an idea of a really long, profound history and it's a different paradigm than we've got. We're like, you know, ancestors came in the 1850s or, you know, maybe earlier or even more recently, you know, one side of my family in the 1950s um, and it's like, your idea of history is reduced. And until I looked at my family history, um, and I basically did the family tree five generations back in Europe, and that's why I put the mother's maiden name on my name on Facebook as well, because I just realised how important it is. You know, this one surname thing, I mean, the Spanish have too, it's much smarter, you know, because you have an idea of their family history going back both ways. But then... You know, I remember being in a in a, a church in France, and I basically calculated the history. You know, and over generations, thirty years, basically, it was like three. Uh, it was was it three hundred generations or thirty generations deep? Sorry, and I just imagined that the parents, the children, the parents, the children lined up in that church because they all would have gone there. Yeah, and it was just like you know, that's uh, as you say, the Caminos are similar. You know, like of that family, a number of people would have gone on the Camino. Because um, at times the Camino was very popular in Europe and their population was a lot less. Um, so it was like, yeah, and coming back to popularity, it grows. I, you know, the stats for the last five years off the top of my head, I think eight to 10% growth every year. You know, so and, it's like. And it's going to get even more popular in uh, 2020. A lot of people choosing 2020 to walk because of its significance. And then 2021, the holy year. So the next couple of years are going yeah, to be that's right. quite incredible. I yeah. train station at Sari is going to be busy, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's Listen, going to be like... <laughs> let's talk about some nuts and bolts. Do you get yeah. do you get blisters? First one, I did a lot. I mean, I was dumb. I just bought my boots in Paris and started walking. Oh, I yeah. Mean, that's insanity, you know, like... Now I don't wear boots, so I just wear light, light sand shoes. Yeah, yeah. Do you always you stay? Know, I don't need them. Yeah, yeah, you don't need them. I have this theory, you know, people talk about blisters and how to treat them and all that. And, you know, they, they, they say, oh, what socks do you wear? What, how do you treat your feet? What boots do you wear? I look at them all holistically. Your feet are at the ground. Your, weight, your body weight, your pack weight is pushing down onto those feet. So it's the whole thing for me now. It's like, how much do you carry? You know, you carry less, you, you, your pressure on your feet is less. So you're not going to need, you know, as much support on your feet if you carry less weight. Yeah. So, you know, go in a, if, you, if, you, if that's your priority, go in a warmer season, carry less. Yeah. You know, I, did, I didn't even need a sleeping bag on the Via de la Plata. I just asked for blankets. Tiene mantas, tiene mantas, por favor. Do you have blankets, please? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and if, if I could give any of my listeners some advice, don't carry a guitar on your back. That's oh, uh, because and that must be. It was yeah. killer. It was killer. And I can't wait to go back yeah. so I can walk again without it. Um, okay, so do you always stay in albergues? Not always. Um, in France, it's more difficult because hostels are... Uh, Rarer, there, the there is more accommodation now, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I found that I was sort of afraid to ring it ask because I didn't know how to speak French, but I'm probably, you know, they probably do know some English anyway. Um, so I just tented it. Uh, although the the Voile Littoral and the Milan State did have, you know, a day-by-day you stay at these hostels. You know, they can be like small things behind the town hall, the Meri, or... Um, um, so I, I tend to go in a hostel every maybe once a week now, a hotel, sorry, once a week just to get a rest from the numbers. You know, I can afford it, so it's like, yeah. And I know some people, they do the high life. They do hotels all the way, don't they? Yeah, my word. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, what can you afford? So, yeah, yeah sometimes I, you just need time alone. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I'd agree with that. And I think, though, it would be a shame to miss the opportunity to spend the odd night in an albergue. Um, I agree. To feel the spirit and, and the camaraderie. Um, somebody, yeah. you know, somebody will have a guitar or a ukulele or something or, you know, and oh, it's fun. Oh, magic moments. It's fun. Oh, they're magic. Yeah. Dan, you must have really – look, you took a guitar. You made that effort, right? And you took your talent, your experience, and all the hard work you put in to learn. You know, and that makes – that's a gift. You know, it really is because what it does is like you're giving of yourself. People appreciate it and they're more open to – you know, and you really – this is – I suppose a lot of us don't understand – when we're positive, open and giving, you know, the, the effect you can have on other people, because I know the people, for me, who are positive, open and giving and loving, they don't realise what effects they have. It really is like a pebble in the water and that wave just goes out and has so many effects and it affects other people and then that, the way they affect other people moves on. You just don't know what you're giving. It's just a great time. Oh, it is. <laughs> it's yeah. just a great it time. Is, it is fun. You just I have a ball. That. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's... look, can I just say one thing, and this doesn't get said enough. Like, I mean, I see it on the floor, and you do. You tend to forget it. It's bloody hard work at times. You get tired too, you know, like near the end of those long caminos, I remember getting towards Santiago, and you just, you know, if you haven't had enough rest days, you know, that's another thing I'd say to anyone listening who hasn't done it. You know, make sure you factor in rest days because near the end, if you're doing a lot of kilometres, it, it can wear you down a bit. So just, you know, you can get caught up in the excitement and just forget to be restful. Yeah. Tell us about the stars on the Camino. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Okay, immediately I'm in a wood in France because I camped out. Some nights... It was so warm, I didn't have to stay in the tent. So I just lay down on the mat, in my, snuggled in my sleeping bag. So imagine this. I'm alone in a wood. It's dark. Now, it, doesn't get, it wasn't getting dark until about 10.30, mind you. Um, that was funny. I took a torch, but I ended up leaving it somewhere because I didn't need it. But anyway, I snuggled so on this mat, snuggled in this sleeping bag, and I'm like, okay, I'm, already, I'm all, all good now. So I lay back, relax, and I look up. And it is just profound. It's like a vault of stars just wrapping around. You know, the Milky Way. You can see the Milky Way, pick out some planets. And it's not just flat. It's just wrapping around, you know, like an arc. And I'm just like, whoa. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's just, in. you know, you feel infinitesimally small. But it also, you know, just made me realise I understand why the ancients built these megalithic structures aligned as the stars now. You know, they would have been much more aware of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, just, yeah, amazing. And, of course, the Camino, you know, uh, um, Santiago Compostela, you know, Campos, Stella, Field of Stars. You know, and it's, it's, it's true in a way. It has different, you know, sort of, meanings, nuances, but it's like, you know, you're basically going west, you're following the sun, the way it moves, just keep this, you know, in the morning, keep the sun behind you, you're heading in the right direction. Yeah. Um, And the stars, you know, the ecliptics uh, lead you in that direction. My next question is about the sun sets and the sun rises. It does, yeah. But they are so so beautiful. They are. I mean, I'm not an early bird, so sunrises weren't that often that sunsets, wow, those colours. You know, and again, like I said, if you're on that high point and you're looking out, it is just, it's sort of a different expanse because it's broad. So you're seeing the sunset, but you just see the rise and right out, you know, left and right, and it's just, again, it's sort of like what happens is in that physical sense, your, ex, your consciousness is expanded out because of what, how far you can see and what you know out there. So the Camino, in a, in a sense, expands you spiritually, socially. Um, your consciousness is broadly open because, you know, you can see into the distance that way. So it's uh, it's a really great opportunity and, you know, it's a bit corny, but basically seize the day. I say to people who think about it, just go, go where your heart leads you. 
And I've said on the podcast before that the Camino is a great metaphor for life. Some days are better than others. Some days you think, how easy is this? Other days you think, oh, man, I'm really not doing this quite so easily at all. But the message is simple, Michael. One foot in front of the other and you'll get there. Yes, step by step. Yeah, absolutely. How do you explain the Camino to people who ask about it at a dinner party? Oh. I, well, go was the word that came to me then. <laughs> so yeah. with enthusiasm. Um, yeah. Like I said, for me, it was, a, you know, trans, it's a more meaningful experience. Um, and for everyone, it's slightly different because, you know, we're all beautifully different. Uh, how I explain it? It, it, it? I mean, it doesn't have to be long. You know, for me, a number of them were long Caminos. Um, why that? I mean, over a thousand kilometres, you know. You can just do. I, my nephew recently went, my oldest brother's um, second son, and he, you know, he went. Uh, they he went from Leon, you know, and he he went with a group, um, so a bit of a tour, uh, and he really liked it. Um, but it was a different experience for him from my talking to him. So I'd explain it like just go, be open. Um, it's a physical experience, so it helps if you're a bit ready. You don't have to be, absolutely. Um, in that case, I'd recommend starting somewhere that where you've got a number of days of flat walking, you know, so maybe start in the Meseta, yeah. you know, the Tablelands, or start back in France. I mean, because where, you know, the route I took, um, the, the tours route, Paris tours route, is literally you never go above three or 400 metres. So a few weeks of that, by the time I got to Spain, I was just, you know, I was going for it. So, yeah, silly me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, I was silly, Dan. I was doing, like, you know, dawn to dusk walking and a couple of days over 50Ks. And the next day, of course, you could only do 15 because I was just knackered. Um, You know, smashed the Pyrenees in five hours because I went to an early morning mass and, Started about ten ten thirty and was there by three thirty. But then I felt, you know, I was quite ill. I was lining up for a shower and uh, had to lie down. You know, like that's just stupidity. So that you know, I just say to people, don't rush. Like you said, step by step, take your time. Yeah, yeah. and and you'll learn a little bit about yourself on the way. Oh yeah. And and again, the message from both of us, I suppose, is you'll just have a ball. You'll have a great time. Absolutely. Just socially great, you know, great for you physically. I mean, it does a whole lot of things in your brain because you're releasing all these good chemicals, you know. And on the flip side, um, when that stops and come home, some people find it really difficult, which I did on my first one, you know. Um, I was depressed after my first Camino. Um, uh, it's just like, because I'd seen what was possible and then I'm back on the wheel again and, uh, I sort of realised I've integrated it now. So what I do do is like walk a few kilometres every day. Some days off, I have a mini Camino. I go to the cafe in the beginning of the day, go for a walk for a few, you know, kilometres. Drop by the church on the way home for a few minutes, and I call those my little morning mini Caminos. Yeah. And it's uh, really good because that's a similar experience. But it's not just a wistful. Oh, let's make it like the Camino. It's actually the good things that the Camino has become real again, you know, like it, it's just good for your walking. You know, we're made to move. Yeah. That's right. We are made to move. Yeah. You know, you know I love hosting the podcast because I love to pe- hear people's stories. Yes. Uh, and so thank you very much for sharing your story, Michael. And it's clear the Camino has had a big impact on your life. Indeed, both our lives. Yes. So I look forward yeah. to catching up face to face one of these days. That'd be great, Dan. Yeah, and I'll um, look for your song now that you mentioned. Um, and just thanks for the opportunity. It's also it's a good thing and empowering to be able to tell your story. Yeah, it is indeed. Hey, I've really thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you. So, Buen Camino. Thank you. Buen Camino, Dan. Ultraya. My guest this week, the Australian pilgrim, Michael Kennedy. And I began by reading a piece from the Busted Halo website, bustedhalo.com. The name says it all. We all wear busted halos. 
Rebecca Gallo, now Western, wrote a piece on the website in 2013, and she said, a friend describes the Camino as the most Buddhist of experiences on the most Catholic of trails. Indeed, if there was a commonality that we all experienced, it was that at some point on our journeys, we were doing a walking meditation, even if we didn't know it. Ms. Weston goes on to write about the prayer of La Faba in the church in Osobrero. Ross Wall, whom I interviewed in week 118, and I and our wives, had dinner a few weeks back. Ross mentioned the, the prayer of La Faba. And while I remember fondly the church in Osobrero, I hadn't read the prayer posted inside the church. And it says, Although I may have travelled all the roads, crossed mountains and valleys from east to west, if I have not discovered the freedom to be myself, I have arrived nowhere. Although I may have shared all of my possessions with people of other languages and cultures, made friends with pilgrims of a thousand paths, or shared albergues with saints and princes, if I am not capable of forgiving my neighbour tomorrow, I have arrived nowhere. Although I may have carried my pack from beginning to end and waited for every pilgrim in need of encouragement, or given my bed to one who arrived later than I, given my bottle of water in exchange for nothing, if, upon returning to my home and work, I'm not able to create brotherhood or to make happiness, peace and unity, I have arrived nowhere. Although I may have had food and water each day and enjoyed a roof and shower every night, or may have had my injuries well attended, if I have not discovered in all of that the love of God, I have arrived nowhere. And although I may have seen all the monuments and contemplated the best sunsets, although I may have learned a greeting in every language or tried the clean water from every fountain, if I have not discovered who is the author of so much free beauty and so much peace, I have arrived nowhere. If from today I do not continue walking on your path, searching for and living according to what I have learned, if from today I do not see in every person, friend or foe, a companion on the Camino, if from today I cannot recognize God, the God of Jesus of Nazareth, as the one God of my life, I have arrived nowhere. Thank you for your company this week and every week. I'm Dan Mullins, and if you're interested in sponsoring me, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Dan Mullins or danmullinsmusic.com. Until next week, Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way Somewhere along the way